0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, Plaid Boy Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was at Atlanta Professional Sports, Wacky Ass Hijinks and Analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? I should have called you George
1: Lucas. Adam, George Lucas Kalal, because all you do is wear plaid. I'm a plaid guy. Like, that's fine. I You remind me of George. It's winter, they're comfortable, they look presentable. I'm just, that's just going to be my life. You get a wardrobe and you stick to it. I understand. I don't see myself changing that. Uh, but it's going well, Graham. Thanks for asking, as mm-hmm. always. Um, I don't I don't know where to start this we, week. Well, we should tell everybody where we are. I miss Jared, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, no, That was a fun show last week. But we should tell everybody where we are, Adam. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's, you it's, might be it's wondering, not a normal
0: show. You might be wondering why the hell you're hearing all this noise and commotion behind us. And uh, we're at Radio Row in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Very exciting. We haven't been since the uh, 2018 Super Bowl. So it's been a while. We're back, having a good time um, in Vegas, doing things we probably can't talk about on the air.
1: That's, that's right. Part yeah. of our, our termination papers with the the Pigskin Podcast Network, you know, like we had them, you know, by the by the short ones. Yeah. Uh, with I their contract. The I was like, yeah. no, 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 you can't just end us like this. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you off the hook if you pay for us to come to Vegas. Yeah. But right. they refused to pay for intern Jared, hence me saying I miss Jared. Right. Well, it would be great to have Jared. But, but he, he, he organized all the flights and all that. Yeah, so. of
0: course he did. He did his job, even though you know uh, he wasn't able to come out. And uh, you know, he's been at the blackjack table, craps, sports book, prostitutes. It's been fantastic. <laughs> no
1: prostitutes. No, thank you, Graham. Yeah. It It's a family show. It's a family show, even though you know we dropped the family F-bomb. men. Yeah, family men. Family show. Um, yeah, no, great to be here in, in sunny, sunny, dry Las Vegas. Sunny, dry Las Vegas. I think. And uh, a lot of heat yeah. out here. Yeah. You know, It's different than that Atlanta well, heat. Well, it's fun being inside, you know, for most of the day. Right, that's true. Yeah. We've seen a lot of big names out here. Yeah. We you tried know. to get some
0: interviews. It hasn't gone well. Um, we did, the last night at Radio Row, we pulled in a random Patriots and Eagles fan, and that was kind of fun. Um, but we haven't been able to get... You know, we haven't been able to get anyone of note, but we might have a surprise for you later in the show in terms of some phone calls, people that couldn't make it to Vegas, but we're still going
1: to interview them, which is a little silly, but it's just the way things roll sometimes. Do you think it's, speaking of silly, like, I feel like most of these, you know, it's called Radio Row, they're radio stations that right. have, like, live broadcasts. Sure. We're not live, Graham. No, there's other podcasts here doing the same thing. Oh, are there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like part of my take. Part of my take. They're over. They're yeah. They won't talk down. to us. You know, yeah. we're we're,
0: we're, so, we're so, such a small time. The fact that we're here is pretty cool.
1: Right. You it it is very cool. Yeah. Not not the best table, but it's no a not table. the best
0: table. We're way in the back in the corner, Um and you know, no one really comes by. You get to the part of of you know an area like a convention or you know whatever set up, um, you know, we're like just people stop walking. They turn around. That's
1: where we are. Well, I know. mean, I'm just wearing my plaid. You're wearing. The same mudstack hoodie that you've been wearing yeah. for all winter. You gotta represent the company that laid you off, even though we're in yeah. Vegas now. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's. Well, I mean, uh, since we're here, yeah, you know, we, we rented the table. Well, no, they paid for the they table. Paid for the table. Come on, yeah. Get your story straight. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Let's go ahead and uh, you know do our normal show, right? And we'll see if anyone walks by, right, and wants to talk at some point. Sure. So, um,
0: big thing that happened. Since we last talked to you guys, Raheem Morris was introduced on Monday as the new Falcons head coach at a big old press conference. And um, the one word I could use to describe Raheem Morris is genuine. The guy is unabashedly genuine, unlike when you hear Dan Quinn at his press conference for the Commanders this week. Everything Raheem Morris seemed like, um, there was no platitudes, there was no bullshit, there were no real catchphrases or anything like that. This was a guy that is in total command over his persona, and I really enjoyed listening to him. He could have been talking about the most obscure element on the periodic table of elements, and I would have wanted to go home and research that shit because I was like, this. You know, everything he was saying was just popping in my head. I was like, I am buying into this hook, line, and sinker. You know, just off the cuff, my reaction. Um, he said all the right things, except that Rich McKay hired him, has hired him four times. That was the only only thing where I was like. Ugh. Just because you know Rich McKay's judgment's not great, but other than that, I was uh, I was very pleased with Raheem's press conference. You didn't get a lot of information out of either him or Terry Fontenot. Terry Fontenot was actually at the press conference, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just this genuine feeling of excitement and of you know looking ahead to what he can do as a coach for uh, you know the team and how he wants to be connected to the community and how he feels like he's coming home since he's been with prior Falcons staffs. Uh, before becoming the full-time
1: head coach, so I, I I thought it was it was good overall. Yeah, he uh, he was very very impressive. With him. Like you said, just very genuine and just like it just felt like a breath of fresh air. Because like I, I guess I kind of realized as like I've kind of just like known him as like a face. Yeah, and like someone you see on the sidelines, but mm-hmm. I've never seen him like sit down and he just absolutely commanded the room. Yeah, he did. It was like very, and I, I know like. When I was trying to defend Arthur Smith, just because that's what I got to do, I got to, I got a defed- company man. I got to defend my boys. Surprised whoever- the, the Falcons didn't fly you solo out <laughs> right. here to, to represent them. But when we, when we had the like a testy episode back in probably October, November, where uh, we're talking about Arthur Smith's press conferences right. and how I kept saying I don't care what he does at a press conference, blah 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 blah. I cared about this one. Like it, yeah. it was such it was just such a relief to just be like, "Oh man, this guy knows what he's doing. Right. He's confident. Like he was owning that table." So up with him was Fontenot, who like, you know, Fotonno did fine, I thought. Yeah. But like he still seems like a little inexperienced mm-hmm. in like a situation like that and uh, Greg Beatles who's the team president. Team president, yeah. who I didn't know, I don't know if you knew much about him at all. I know he was an intern, and now he's the president of the, of the team, which is yeah, pretty wild. I did gather that, so it, it felt cool. It was like a, kind of like turnover, like going in the other direction a little bit from what we'd been complaining about with, you know, I think Arthur Blank would have been up there if he weren't sick, yeah, apparently. Yeah, he was sick, yeah. I, and I would have been fine with Arthur being up there, but they, they got the Rich McKay crap loud Rich and McKay, McKay is gone. So I think it was the <laughs> fact that there's three younger guys up there um, it, fe- it felt good and you know Raheem was just very very impressive with the way he handled the media and like kind of encouraging them to like loosen up yeah. a little bit he kept saying I know you guys are all like staring at me with your serious like press faces on right now but we'll we'll change that and yeah. it was just like the complete opposite of Arthur Smith. Yeah he was
0: trying to be inclusive he wasn't being reactionary he wasn't you know and they asked him you know there's questions about you know being on the staff during the 23 collapse and you know he said that lost stings worse than anything and You know, they were. were He's one of us. He's one of us. He's not some guy coming in here who hasn't felt the pain and doesn't want to get over the pain. He reminds me a little bit of Dansby Swanson in the sense of, you know, Dansby Swanson grew up an Atlanta sports fan. He knows all the pain and all the bullshit we went through. And so to get a championship, that meant a little more to him because he's been through it since he was a a kid um, to, to to an adult as a player. And I kind of felt like a similar connection with Raheem where it's like he's been part of the coaching staff, he's been part of the. You know, a lot of big highs and the lowest of the lows. Um, So he really, it really felt like to me, just listening to him talk, that he wanted to be here and that he really wants to win more than anything. And uh, not that any other coaches don't, of course, when they go to a new place, but it's just like there's a little extra, uh, you know, there's a little extra incentive for him. Redeem what happened before even though he wasn't, like, chiefly responsible for it or anything like that. But it's, like, that that sticks with him. That sticks with you, so.
1: Yeah, you kind of forget about, like, assistant coaches and, like, how much it means to them as well. And, like, he said that's the worst loss he's ever suffered mm-hmm. in his life, and he has not forgotten about that. So, and he he also addressed, like, the whole, like, you know, where people are saying this feels like we're going back to the Dan Quinn era. Right. This was part of his regime. Right. And um, he got asked that towards the end of the press conference, and, he was basically saying, look, like I did learn from Dan Quinn, but he also kind of said like, you know, I also don't do the platitude thing. I let the on-field product speak for itself mm-hmm. versus like the slogans and all that. He, he obviously said it a lot more right majestically and uh, yeah, you know, a little,
0: uh, little more eloquent than what, what Dan Quinn could, could conjure for sure.
1: He, he didn't like Shit put, on Quinn. Push, yeah, right. push Quinn down or anything. Think,
0: but. Yeah. You know, contrast that with Dan Quinn's press conference as the new commander's head coach. He says, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take a moment and, and swear. You know, I swear a lot, but I don't do it at press conferences or something like that. And you can just tell he'd been working on this and rehearsing this all night yeah. the night before. And just goes, I just can't wait to do hard shit with good people. Or there's nothing that I like more than doing hard shit with good people or something yeah. like that. It just felt so fucking forced, man. I was like, get out of here. You know what? I'm glad you're in Washington. I'm glad you're a loser franchise. You're going to stay that way. Yeah. Not to say we aren't losers, but big-time loser franchise, big-time loser in Dan Quinn.
1: I got to tell you, Jared, like, I was re listening to our episode, and Jared's statement really hit hard with me. It's like, just like, no one cares about you. No, Who? about our organization. Oh, Falcons now. Jared's not, saying that. We're was, small potatoes. I was like, in my head, like, we've been, like, a good organization for a while. Like, every single year, we come in thinking we can win, you know, 10 games, yeah, get in the but, playoffs. But we haven't won in eight years. It's crazy. Yeah, we haven't gone to the
0: playoffs since the 2017 season, and we've only had two winning seasons in the last 10 years. I feel like we've been better
1: than that. (laughs) We we haven't.
0: Obviously not. We we also, you know, when we became adults is when the Falcons kind of became adults. You know, that's when Matt Ryan was here, Mike Smith. You established a culture of winning. Maybe not winning the big prize, but we were in the mix every year. From 2008 to 2012, we had a winning record. We won playoff games. We went to the NFC Championship. Um, And then after that, you know, we had a three-year downturn and then came back up with the Super Bowl appearance and then winning a playoff game the year after that. But since then, it's been dog shit. But we have this thing in our heads. We have this this pedigree, I think, you know, in our heads where we're like, we have been serious contenders before, and it wasn't that long ago. Like, we can say, yeah, two winning seasons in the last 10 years is, is atrocious, absolutely, but... We remember, the yeah, we remember there was a time, yeah, we were there was a time when it wasn't like 25 years ago where we were good, yeah. you know, consistently.
1: But to me, even though like we are running it back a little bit after like this press conference, like it it does feel like a new era and one that can be ready to go quick.
0: I hope so. And it still comes down to quarterback. They were asked about that, Fontenot and Raheem Morris, and they were very open about. Are they? They were open in the sense that it was like it could be anything. It could be free agency. It could be the draft. It could be a trade. There were no, like, definitive answers, which you, you hope they wouldn't give because then you lose all power in negotiation with anybody if that's the case. So it's, like, it's anybody's ballgame. But it became clear that there's no chance in hell Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke will be considered for the starting quarterback position because, like, Fontenot went on, you know, he's like, they did good things, they did bad things, uh, you know, we appreciate what they did. You know, it was very much like, thanks but no thanks, like, we're moving on from that.
1: Yeah. And it seems like those two have a great connection. Fontenot and Rahim. and yeah. Raheem, there's, yeah. There's a
0: good chemistry there.
1: Yeah, they, they seem like they're band crushing on each other yeah. a little
0: bit. Do you see the, is... the, the the photographs? No. They, they're just like, look like they were three drinks in to a night out on the town or something. They just look so happy. Yeah. You know, and they like look like they genuinely enjoyed each other's company.
1: Well, I'm sure, like, the whole, like, coaching search was so stressful for both of them, and then... Fontenot was talking about how Raheem's a Facetime guy, so he's been like Facetimeing him every day. He's been FaceTiming with his family, so it's been like very like it's only been like ten days at the time right. of the press conference that he was hired. But I feel like they've they've connected very quickly. I still remember. The awful, awful Falcons video that was posted, like, right after <laughs> uh, oh. Arthur Smith and Fontenot were hired, where they, like, met for the first time, like, in the middle of Mercedes beds. Yeah, and they're like, hey, man. It was hey. so It was uncomfortable. so
0: awkward. But, uh, and another thing, too, I think the biggest difference is, is this is someone Fontenot wanted. Fontenot went on record during the press conference saying, I led the coaching search. It was obviously Arthur's Arthur Blank's decision. But I love the coaching search, which contradicts the press release, which said Arthur Blank and Rich McKay would lead the coaching search. So, I I mean, I don't know how you take that. Um, It seems like he was leading the interview process. But it doesn't really matter. Like, our coach is our coach at this point. But it was just interesting the way that was worded to me in the press conference versus the press release that came out before that.
1: Yeah. I I feel good about it in terms of some of the on-field stuff of note um we did officially hear that Jimmy Lake our new defensive coordinator will be calling plays right so exactly what we wanted Raheem Raheem is in the gonna CEO be straight position. up that CEO yeah. guy yeah. and you know we'll see him was that that was Jared squawking about like just seeing like you know Belichick going from defensive side to offensive side in game and just uh-huh. like a lot better managing the game and um Raheem was focusing like he said like his four I don't remember all the f- four points, but, like, fundamentals and just, like, being like, that's a football team that knows how to execute the game plan. Right. And they're physical. It's like, those are the things we want to, like, obviously it's coach speak. Yeah. But, like, the fundamentals and g- executing game plan were never there with Arthur Smith. No, and, like, there's just so many times when
0: his game plan was so single-minded and so obstinate It was like, Desmond going to throw the ball 35 times and he just wouldn't adjust for the most part when it didn't work. And now you're getting a guy who seems like he's going to just be able to see everything that's happening on the field, as opposed to being so focused on the offensive game plan, which I think Arthur Smith was. I think Arthur Smith, honestly, was a glorified offensive coordinator. I think he had, you know, his guys played hard for him, so I'll give him that. I think culturally there was like a hard nose attitude, which I liked. But in terms of actual execution, his game plans were either really flawed or... He struggled to make adjustments in critical situations. He was
1: just in over his head a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's like with Raheem, given his knowledge of working both sides of the ball and being able to delegate what he wants to his coordinators, uh, particularly Zach Robinson, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's able to oversee the team and be just involved in the process as opposed to being so... You know, I, just, I just had that mental image of Arthur Smith with the with the, the, card, you know, the play calling card over his face, just barking into that yeah. and just looking so uncomfortable the entire
1: game. He's like, I mean, that's a sign of bad management, right, where you can't trust your people to do their job. Yeah, well, And, like, you feel like you need to continue to do everything you did in your previous position. Right. Of-
0: but that's not to say it doesn't work. Like, I mean, Kyle Shanahan calls the plays in San Francisco, and they're consistently one of the best teams in the league. So, I mean, it can work.
1: Right. But, I mean, that was another thing that came up in this press conference was the fact that Raheem has been like a mentor to some of these young head coaches, even, even like though he's working under them like yeah. McVeigh, yeah. Shanahan, like they go to him for guidance and right. that's why, why he's been getting all this praise. And right. I'm just excited. He's gotten this opportunity at the end of the day. Like it's, it's growing with every week. I feel like at first I was just like, you know, doing, you know, I'm a team guy. I'm going to go with whatever they say, but, <laughs> right. but now like I'm genuinely like, as coach quinn would say jacked about you're it. jacked about it yeah that's, no, that's like, I, i'm excited for the season yeah no I, i'm looking forward to it the biggest the biggest question to me is just how
0: he will collaborate with with terry right because we know and and terry went on record saying this was a collaborative relationship with arthur smith so you know we'll never know how much influence you know we'll never know who made the decision about we're going to draft three skill position players when we don't have like really you know we don't have really, like, key positions figured out, like defensive end, some of the offensive line pieces, and quarterback. It was just it was a very odd strategy. So if, for example, if we were to go out and trade for Justin Fields and then we go in the first round and say we, we draft a, a beast defensive end or something, or we bring Chris Jones over in, a, in, in, a, you know, in free agency from the Kansas City or something like that, then that says to me that Arthur Smith was the problem. Because Arthur Smith would never make moves like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, even when we had all this cap space, it was like, mm, let's go get the running back in the first round. That makes sense. We, we need we need, we need, need, help on the defensive end, but no, no. That's fine. We need a quarterback, but no.
1: I'll be, I'll be you honest. You know, it,
0: it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, how how different will the draft strategy be? That's the biggest thing. Because I think Terry overall, outside wide receiver, is a very good evaluator of free agency talent at a variety of positions other than the receiver. But his draft strategy has confounded me in terms of the first round picks, and I have to, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt and just say I hope Arthur Smith was the guy that said let's get Kyle Pitts at four. That makes sense.
1: I do kind of see, just like based off like watching them at the press conference, like I suspect that Fontenot is going to lean on Raheem a little bit more than maybe he did Arthur Smith. I could see mm-hmm. that like the two Arthur Smith and. Thought no maybe they battle a little bit more like who's in charge who's in charge but like Raheem is just like his personality is like you're gonna lead on his experience a little bit more I would think yeah Um, but hey I'll be real though Graham Mm -hmm. you know what we need what's that we need a good number two wide receiver that's a big thing so like if you get Fields. Drafting a wide receiver at eight? No. <laughs> no, Don't do this to me again, Adam. Do not do this to me again. But we need a wide receiver. We need a defensive. We end. need a couple wide we receivers. We need a defensive
0: end. We need two defensive ends. We need we need somebody to challenge Ibaketti. Okay. Bring the best out no, of him.
1: No, I, I agree. We do, but like, we need
0: foundational pieces you, you can build you, on. Adam, you can get good a good receiver in the third or fourth round. You cannot get a great
1: defensive end in the third or fourth round. But imagine like part. A, a Puka Nakua in the first round. That's Puka you... Nakua was drafted fifth. He was he's the rookie of the year. Well, maybe we can
0: find a guy like that late. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can like Devontae Freeman, fourth round pick, franchise running back for yeah. four or five years. You know? It's it's uh it boggles the mind in terms of like why we put all these
1: all right, so, so really maybe high draft R- picks on Raheem position players. And Zach Robinson know you can get those playmakers a little later in the draft. Yes.
0: So put... I want to see us put our chips in the table. The proof is in the pudding, as you said. The proof is in the pudding. Put our chips in the table. Go out and draft a beast defensive end. Please. For the love of God. I mean, we actually did a lot better in terms of sacking the quarterback this year. Bring back
1: Calais Campbell if he wants to play. Bring back
0: Calais Campbell. That was something that came out today is is that, you know, he wants to play another year. Um, The Falcons are interested in bringing him back. He doesn't know Raheem Morris, but... You know, I think great Jarrett can just reach out to Calais and just say, hey, this guy's solid. I would love to bring Calais Campbell back. I think he did a, He did more than I thought he was going to do. He was like a uh, better version of Dwight Freeman when we brought in Dwight Freeman during the Super Bowl year. Um, so I, I hope we bring him back. But it's like, I'm really interested to see what the draft strategy is going to be. If we draft a skill position player at eight, I, I might throw something through a window. Okay. I just think that's the worst thing you can do. We do need a two, a second receiver. I agree, but we can get by. I mean, think about we need a second and a third. Really, like we need a lot of we we need help on the in receiving core. But I'm just saying, like we really need to focus on foundational pieces that are going to be here, hopefully for ten to fifteen years. Guys that can you ten know, to
1: fifteen years. Well, I'm talking
0: about like think about Panay Sewell on the Lions. Yeah. You know who was came out the same year as Pitts. He's been a game changer for them on the offensive line. He's going to be there for 10 or 15 years. That's fair.
1: I mean, we've had Jake Matthews for that. We long. had Jake
0: Matthews for that one. He's, he's a pillar you Grady. build around. Grady. Yeah. It's like you need, in the trenches is where you get your pillar players, and you've got to attack the trenches in the first round. I Come on, Terry. Make it happen. So someone asked about Bill Belichick, and um, it was interesting the response.
1: Yeah, so I mean, basically they said that everyone they interviewed. Was a serious candidate, right. including Bill Belichick. So they were straightforward about that. But at the end of the day, they just decided that Raheem was the best candidate for them this time and place, which is fair. You know, I think Raheem has sold himself on us a little bit. I could see him doing yeah. that to them as well, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, but then Boomer Siasin, who's a well connected guy, top guy at ESPN, CBS, but sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> One of those <laughs> major networks. network. Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Right. will never work for CBS. He's or got ESPN. a lot of sources. Yeah. Uh, he he's he claims that uh, we did offer the job to Belichick, and Belichick turned it down. So, I think that's so. If that's true, that was like changes a, yeah. the narrative completely.
0: Maybe it was a little. He said, "She said." You know, it's just like I talked to an NFL executive who said this about this. Like, I know someone's brother who knows someone's sister who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Right, so Um, so who knows if there's any verity to that? But it was interesting to hear that, and it could have been a thing where, you know, it could have been a thing where it was like uh, you don't have unilateral control, and Belichick said, "Fuck off."
1: I'm guessing that's what it was. It's like we're not going to give you five years. We're not going to give you like it's not your team. You need to work with Terry, right? And then if you want it, it's yours, right? That, That I
0: could see that being a thing, and he his his pride said no,
1: yeah, which is. Or at that point, he decided, you know, let me step back, let me see what pops up next year. Right, Cowboys, blah blah blah. Yeah, like the Cowboys could be a really because McCarthy's contract is up after next year. If they have another divisional round exit or, they, or they miss the playoffs, McCarthy's. Gone. Well, every year there's there's like six to seven. openings. At least, and I think there are eight jobs this year. Yeah, so you don't need to rush into it, but so. it's fine. I think we're we're mo- like we've moved beyond. We moved forward. We moved beyond Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Let's move beyond Bill Belichick. Yeah, I
0: would say this. At least the decision not to bring in Bill Belichick isn't as bad as pursuing Deshaun Watson. There isn't an avalanche effect to not bring in um, Bill Belichick, whereas there was trying to pursue Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel good that I, f- I feel like we have <clears throat> a good person running this organization. Well, like, as our head coach, at least. As our head coach, yeah. A lot of influence on the organization. So, like, that's, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And, like, he... At least appears to know what he's doing, right? And with and it's so interesting thing about the draft
0: because there's so many quarterbacks you can go out and get. There, and there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, we all know about Caleb Williams from USC, very highly touted. Jaden Daniel is still my guy from LSU. I think like I would love to get that dude if he could beef up a little bit. But there's just, and then there's the, you know the option to potentially trade for Justin Fields. There's the option to sign Kirk Cousins. You know, there's so many ways you can attack it we're at such a critical position with this franchise where the, the fans are desperate, we are desperate, absolutely insanely desperate for stability at the quarterback position which we knew for 15 years with Matt and we haven't had since then. And it's at their feet, it's at Raheem Morris's feet, it's at Terry Fontenot's feet to figure out what the future of this franchise is at quarterback. Is it a short-term answer, is it a long is it a hopefully a long-term answer? And I'm excited because we also have a lot of cap space to do other things, too. So it's like I am really looking forward to when the actual offseason starts, which I think is in March, when free agents can actually start signing uh, to teams and things like that. And then the drafts in April like this is such a big, big offseason for this franchise, one of the biggest of all time to me in terms of like we've got a new coach trying to turn a page. We've got a decent roster that could become a really good roster I think um if if we handle the draft from free agency right so it it's just it's a really it's, it's honestly an exciting time to be a Falcons fan because even though our gut tells us to doubt the heart tells us uh you know brighter horizons might be right in front of us it's it's a really interesting time to be a fan of this of this team
1: Yeah I I feel good about it I mean obviously we've got what six seven months until the season <laughs> we're still in the current season we're still in the current season super bowl sunday has not happened yet right um but yeah we got those those uh free agency draft on the horizon and um more importantly spring training is about to start up so like we'll forget about this for a while <laughs> pictures and gadgets report next week yeah so we got we got that coming up um yeah. i think did you need to take a break before we talk about hawks should we get right uh, into it? Yeah, let's take,
0: let's take a break before we talk about the Hawks, and um, we'll come back. We'll hit, we'll hit the tables for a little bit, and then we'll be back to, to, to wrap up the show. That's Actually, right. there's going to be a lot more of the show, but we're going to hit the tables for a little bit. Okay. Okay. There we go. I bet too much on that, that hand of blackjack. I doubled down, I had a, a, an ace and a and a seven and, and it a backfired.
1: Well, Graham, as we discussed a few weeks ago, one 800, 1, 800. gambler. Yeah. <laughs> is There's a problem when go to sh- Las Vegas though. We we probably shouldn't have brought you here to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's it's rough.
1: Yeah. It's rough. I mean, Vegas exists
0: for a reason. Right. It exists because, you know, it continues to win for the most part.
1: At least you only gamble in in Vegas. It's like you're not at like the Texaco up the road from us when we're back in Atlanta right um, just like playing those fake gambling machines what do those even do I don't even do you get to store know. credit with those I those gas know. station machines I'm Atlanta? not sure
0: I'm not sure how it works but I do know that you should investigate that sport, seems like your next move well well sports gambling is on the ballot this November. To be legalized in Georgia Like online sports gambling Yeah I encourage people to vote
1: yes So that's just a yes or no Yes, yeah, just a yes or no I will be voting yes So once that happens Can casinos come Or is that just I think it's just online sports gambling I think there's a whole other thing That has to
0: happen for casinos But At least you can say Hey You know like when the Clippers and Hawks Played this week I was like Man I would bet like 200 bucks on the over And it wound up being 149-144 And I was like Yeah the over, the over Under was like 220 That Got bl- blown away You know It's just yeah. like There's just so many Obvious things that happen You can just win money on And it's like Why can't we just have that I think it wrecks lives I don't know It can But like You can say about anything Alcohol wrecks lives Cigarette smoking sure. wrecks yeah. lives No it's It's like, a personal it, you decision You can be addicted
1: to anything It's a personal decision yeah. I, I agree with you Graham yeah. Yeah. Free like, market Let it run yeah, Exactly um, Create jobs You can
0: create more jobs No one can say no to that so, anyway, so uh, today was the NBA trade, trade deadline. There's a lot of rumors about DeJounte Murray in particular. It's like, for the last, like, two months, ever since it was established that the Hawks were going to be a play-in team at best, rumors about DeJounte Murray everywhere, going to the Lakers, the Pelicans, whatever. And I was like, and, you know, the funny thing that happened last night is we were playing Boston, and it was reported in the morning that DeJounte wasn't going to play, and I was like, oh, shit. He must, there must be a trade in the works, but he just had some back tightness and didn't play in the game last night. And then 3 o'clock ro- rolls around, and you hear all these other trades that happen. And n- there was no major blockbuster, for the most part, in the NBA, but DeJounte wasn't traded. And, in fact, the Hawks did nothing.
1: Zilch. Nada. This all comes back to my theory that just don't listen to rumors at all. Yeah, they it's never a bunch of happen. bullshit. Like, I knew... This wasn't going to happen, like especially once they started. Like they've looked better the last like you know seven games or so. Yeah, they played better. They went on a four uh, season high four game winning streak, and then like you know they lost the last couple, but it was against like some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, like the Clippers have won. That Clippers team is loaded, dude. Yeah, they're really good, and they they start out the season not playing well, but they Russell really turned around. Russell Westbrook off the bench.
0: Yeah, it's like Harden, Kawhi, Russell. Paul George Paul George um, and they got a bunch and they even were missing their starting center Avaka Zubak who's a really good player so like and they still won the game. And they've won 20 like as of that game they won like 25 of the last 30. Like they're they're really good.
1: Yeah. Um, but the Hawks hung with them. And we
0: we hung with them and we were missing Capella. We only lost by by, by 5 points. Well, oh, Bruno Fernando got involved. Bruno in Fernando was getting involved Anyka uh, Kongwu, since Capella has gone out is averaging like 18 and 13. Honestly, this guy needs to be the starting center.
1: But Capella's been good, too.
0: Capella's not been bad. He was great in the Warriors game where he got injured. He had, like, 18 and 14. But, like...
1: But hopefully, yeah, this is Onyeka's chance Un-Yeka
0: to... needs to establish himself here and say, I am here. Look at me. Because I really like his game. And even the more impressive part about Onyeka is the fact that he's, like, six eight And banging in the post. Being aggressive. He's making one or two three-pointers a game. And playing good defense. Like, I've, I've always liked Onyeka's game, and he needs a, a He's time strong. to shine. And he needs, and if Capella comes back, start him. Start him at the four. I want to see Sadiq Bey. I know he scored 24 last night uh, against the Celtics, but I want to see a guy that is blossoming over Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is inconsistent. DeAndre Hunter is inconsistent. Well, I, don't I think, need to see those guys I anymore. think
1: DeAndre coming back has been a factor, though, in terms of, We go kind of back and forth on his defense, but I think him being there, he was a presence. Well, he was great when he came back in the uh, the Clippers game. He scored like 24 off the bench. But he had limited minutes. Limited
0: minutes. He didn't do as well against the Celtics, but that's just DeAndre Hunter in a nutshell. He'll have a game where he's fantastic, and then he'll have six games where he's just mediocre or below average, and it's just really frustrating to watch that because the talent is there. He's still young, but he can't stay healthy. He can't get into rhythm. Um, number four overall pick, Graham. Yeah, I mean Okongu is the number six overall pick. Yeah, you know, and I think Okongu shows more consistently than uh, Yandre Hunter, I would say.
1: But at the end of the day, didn't trade Dejounte. Like, I don't see how you could have traded him and gotten as much value back. You'll never get three first round
0: picks for for him. No yeah. one's going to do that. So, even though he's been playing really well. Ever since the trade rumors started heating up, it was like DeJounte just has gone
1: nuts. So this this is what we got. we just got to hope that uh, Coach Snyder can mold him. No, this team is what it
0: is. Make it happen. This team can't play defense. It can score. But it's like there's so many pieces that are just wildly inconsistent. We already mentioned Hunter and Bay. Bogdanovich is all over the place. There's some nights he'll he'll, he'll drop 24. There's some nights he'll be, you know, 2 of 15 from the field. It's just—it's really frustrating. I think depth, depth is a big issue as well. Depth is like, a huge issue because, because we, we we're so injured. It feels like every—I think there's only been like twelve games or fifteen games or something where
1: we've had our you know proposed like eight man rotation in place. I'm still uh, shocked. That that's that, healthy. I'm still shocked that AJ Griffin's just like a a non factor. Even it's like we're giving minutes, to, meaningful minutes to like Garrison Matthews and Patty Mills. Well, I, I guess And there's nothing against those guys But it's like i like to see A.J. Griffin I can't remember if we discussed this I guess he's got some like um, Mental health issues going no, it's on it's like a Calvin Ridley situation I think Not so Not the gambling but So I, think, that, I okay. think that's playing a okay. factor I, uh, I I, Okay yeah. yeah So that makes sense Because I, I remember squawking about this On the podcast a few weeks ago And then I actually looked into it and I was like Wait why the hell isn't this guy playing And I think that's, that's why Yeah Okay Be, Yeah because over like Garrison Matthews and Patty Although we're, we're Patty Mills guys, you were Patty Mills. I like guy. Patty Mills. I yeah. mean, he, he's he's done well in limited action.
0: Um, Alexa and I went to the the game against the Suns, which was which was pretty fun. Uh, the Hawks won, and it was it was just weird watching them. Like I've only been to two games this year, but both games they beat quality opponents. We beat the first game we went to we beat Minnesota, and then beat Phoenix. And Phoenix has issues, but it's like they got KD, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, uh, Joseph Nurkic. You know, good players. And it's like, this team can play. Yeah, we beat the Warriors with Steph going off for 60. For 60. You know, and the Warriors, I would say this, the Warriors are very top-heavy. It's like Steph and the rest and Jonathan Kaminga. It's like that, those are the, really the only guys that really do anything on that team. Like, Klay Thompson is not what he was. He just Shell himself. Draymond Shell himself as well. But to speak to your point, it's like, it's, they're still not like a bad team. That's and what's we,
1: frustrating about and it. And we
0: played really well last night against Boston who had the best record in the NBA, and we only lost, by like, eight points or something at their house, and we were missing Capella and Murray. And despite that, we still hung with them. We're still in the game. So it just proves that, like, there's something with this team. They just can't put it together as currently constructed for whatever reason. Um, No, I think a lot of it comes down to just consistent performance and health. So there you go.
1: There you go, Graham. Well, We'll see if we talk about this team over the <laughs> upcoming weeks. It's Thank God we got Braves starting up soon. Should be a lot of storylines and spring yes. training. Yes. That seem more interesting really to Really interested
0: in seeing what Chris Sale does. Um, I'm just getting word that we might have a phone guest.
1: So let's see if we can uh, make that happen real quick. Intern Jared is remotely... Making this happen for us. Yeah. Very exciting.
0: We can't get anyone in person on Radio Row, but we can get someone on the phone. So I guess that counts for something. Get you on Radio Row if you don't interview anybody. I'm getting word. We're welcoming six time Super Bowl champion Bill Belichick to the show for an exclusive interview. The boys at Lana Zone. He hasn't talked to anybody, uh, anybody else since uh, you know the whole coaching thing. Uh, decision was made to go with Raheem Morris. So we're, we're really happy to welcome Bill Belichick to the show. Uh, coach Belichick, how are you doing, sir?
2: Pretty good, fellas. Just uh, when you're ready, fire away.
0: So, Coach, uh, one of the big things, obviously, for, for us as Atlanta sports fans, was you know the anticipation of you potentially becoming the head coach. Um, can you shine a light on, on what happened in the interview process uh, with Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, Terry Fontenot?
2: Um, I mean, luck, luck that. I really like the city of Atlanta. You know, I went down there, you know, he took me on his boat. We went to World the Coke, tried a bunch of different Coca-Colas, and just, you know, just, the big problem was there's no place to put my boat. I mean, Chattahoochee River's not deep enough, you know. And there's all sorts of problems. And so this Rich McKay guy, the first time I met him, I didn't like him. So, I just thought he was like a more like a McDonald's menu item, not so much a football guy. So I just I just never cared for him. I just didn't really see it see it working with him, to be honest with you. So, so
0: is uh, I know that he's on the competition committee too. Did that have anything to do with uh, just not getting along with with uh, Rich McKay?
2: Um. I mean, yeah, you could say that. I mean, you know, the guy, the guy's steadily been trying to eradicate defensive football for the past 20 years. It's kind of where I, you know, made my bones. He's just kind of want just spot the team 20 points, just go ahead and get rid of the secondary, if that's what you have in mind. I mean, you know, the guy is just, needs pro pick routes. He's just, he can't touch receivers anymore. Can't bump them off of routes. He's just, you know, I you know for the game, in my opinion.
1: What
0: was an offer extended to you, Coach? Is it, I don't know if you heard about Boomer Siason coming out saying he heard something about somebody saying that an, an offer was extended and you rejected it. Can you can you speak to if there's any verity to that? I, I, I mean, look, I, I,
2: I love Boomer, but I, I'm not going to go into all sorts of you know, maybes and who do you knows and what, whatever happened. I mean, you know, that, that sort of stuff is you know, professional and private in nature. I'll, that's the way I keep it.
0: All right, that's that's fair. What what was your opinion of uh, Arthur Blank as a, as an owner compared to Robert Kraft?
2: I mean, there's some similarities. There's some differences. That you know, like, I'm not a big fan of him coming down on the sidelines in the middle of a football game. Like you know, we're, we're trying to win a football game. We don't need the owner coming down, crossing his hands, standing there watching the team. I mean, I don't really understand what that accomplishes.
0: What does it feel like you know your boss is standing over your shoulder while you're trying to do your job? It makes it harder, right?
2: Um, I mean, I didn't even say that, it's just what's just, What's the point of the presence of him on the team, on the field? It's not even about, you know, doing your work in front of your boss, it's just, it just seems to serve no purpose. Just stay up in the box and, you know, pay the players, play the coaches, do whatever you're going to do managerial, but people don't need to see you on the field until after the game or before. You don't need to be sitting there on the sidelines like you're going to jump in the game or make a play call.
1: Hey, hey, Bill, uh, Adam Clow here. Really appreciate you joining us here in, in Vegas. Uh, hope, hope you're having a good time, by the way, you know, getting out there. Some leisure, leisure activities for you. Um, quick question for you, Bill. Like, so You've been coaching, what, 50, 51 years at this point? Is, is that right?
2: I, I mean, you tell me. I don't really look back that much. It sounds about right. Since that's, that's we'll put it in the report, you know, go ahead, 51 years, short. Sure.
1: So you think, like, once you get this, like, one year off of coaching – are you really going to want to come back? Is it just about the record at this point? Like, what, what's your motivation at this point, Coach?
2: The motivation's what it's been always, you know. The motivation's just win some football games. That's what we try to do. We go out there, you know, kind of be kind of running up these scores of like, you know, who's got the wins and and what is this and what is that? It's just like it's just a bunch of waste of time. The numbers don't really matter. It's about winning games. I'm not tired of winning football games. That's what I want to come back to coach 2025. In fact, steal some wins from the Falcons in the process. That's what I'm going to do.
1: You're not going to come to the NFC South and like just beat us down, are you? Are you going to get revenge on us for this This just not working out? Um, Tampa Bay might be opening up, you know? New Orleans. New Orleans. I don't know if I want to follow Tom to Tampa Bay. It just seems a
2: little too repetitive or redundant. You know, trying to solidify my legacy without him. And, you know, I could I could see, you know, not Carolina, I can't have some owner throwing drinks on people in the middle of the stands. That's worse than <laughs> coming down the sidelines. But, 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 you know, New Orleans, I, I like New Orleans. It doesn't have the world of Coke, but there's a lot of things going on. There. You, I mean, you, you got Mardi Gras, you got parade floats, you got those big, you know, musicians in the streets with their horns and you know, all that sort of stuff pretty neat. I like seafood. I can bring my boat. Uh, you know, it's a lot of... Lot of things to like about new
0: orleans you know you would have a place to put your boat coach uh, i think the biggest question that a lot of fans have is did you want unilateral control like you had in new england if you were to come to atlanta and will you want that in the future if you coach again
2: you know it's a really good question there's this perception of me out there that i'm just like running around the country scouting players by myself and I don't work with anybody it's like that's just ridiculous you know I want people in the room to advise me and, and push back on decisions I want to make so that's a complete this whole total control narrative I don't really know what that means I mean yes, yeah, someone needs to have final say I get that as you know, if there's just one guy doing everything doesn't really make a lot of sense
0: all right coach we want to thank you for your time tonight I uh, really appreciate it really set some things uh Actually, I got one more question for you. What was your reaction when Raheem Morris was announced as the head coach, new head coach of the Falcons?
2: Um, look, I mean Raheem's a good coach. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from him. I can I can see the appeal. of The guy he's charming. He doesn't mumble as much as I do. And, you know, <laughs> he actually kind of interacts with the press, you know, and he kind of discusses things as opposed to just, you know, saying, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that right now. So I can see the appeal of that. Where where I think I'm better is, you know, the things that, you know, you guys outlined in the podcast the other day, if just like, you know, the time management stuff. I think I'm going to have Raheem be there, to be honest with you. But, you know, I, I thought it was one last, you know, snake rat fuck from Rich McKay, to be honest, on his way out the door. That's what it's not like to make.
0: How did you feel about Rich McKay not being involved in football operations when he was involved in the interview process? After Raheem Morris was hired, that was, that was the announcement. He was moving on to Arthur Blank's other team, the Atlanta United
3: Soccer look, Club.
2: Look, 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 let me just tell you this. If the Falcons win a Super Bowl with Raheem Morris as head coach, I should be invited to the parade. Because it wouldn't have happened if Richard McKay was still in the building. I think if I by coming down there and doing the interviews, I was instrumental in people realizing what the hell does this guy even do? Okay, man oh. doesn't man doesn't seem responsible for a single thing. Just sits there and gives advice, and the team goes down the toilet and fires other people. I don't really see the point of it. So if he's out, because. You know, me coming down for a couple of interviews brought the national gaze under his, you know, bald head. I'm pretty good about that. Sitting Atlanta, owes me some gratitude for getting him out of the room when people are talking about football decisions.
1: We don't quite forgive you for the Super Bowl yet, Bill, but we will certainly take that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll send you a ring if that if that happens.
2: You know, one last thing about the Super Bowl. You know, everyone's talking about the Falcons choked and all this stuff. They made two mistakes they didn't choke we just didn't make any in the second half and they made a couple that was the difference of the game people talking about them choking is just ridiculous so
0: not even after julio caught that pass of the 22 (laughs) that wasn't just choking it away and being idiots
2: Oh, we thought they hiked
1: Down mid great plate sacked quarterback. You know what? You know, why are we running this the? Bill, running Bill, the ball? Bill. We we have a hard rule on this podcast. We do not discuss the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, oh, I'm okay. getting into my I'm it getting just, into my drinks. Yeah, we. we keep sorry, I was uh, I was under the impression that you guys
2: asked me
1: that question. Okay. No, no, no. You brought up the Super Bowl, sir. Okay, Well, I guess I brought it up, but I didn't want to discuss it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this was a lovely interview until now. Uh, good day, sir. Okay,
2: uh, I'm gonna get back to the slot machines, and it's you know, pretty fun being single in Vegas. Gotta
0: tell you. Oh, you were you were here? Why, why didn't you just why didn't you just come in person then? We're we're, we're here. No,
2: no, no. I I'm in Vegas. Yeah, we're in Vegas. Oh, you're in Vegas. I thought you guys were calling me in from Atlanta
0: That's No, we we came here. We're trying to get some some interviews, but we said the only way oh, we could talk know, to you was boy, over the phone.
2: Boy. Look fellas? Don't take this the wrong way, but I don't want to spend any time with you on know, like a face-to-face basis. You know, this this sort of thing works for me. Call me every once in a while. You want to know what I'm thinking about the Falcons or the football league overall? I'm cool with you but we're not gonna, you know, we're just not gonna do that. We're not gonna be hanging out, having drinks, and, you know, talking shop. This is just not gonna happen in person. Okay. We okay.
0: want to th- thank Coach Belichick. We appreciate for the time on. either yeah, way. No, thank you either way. We're, we're very, very appreciative, and we're glad that we have your side of the story. This, it's yeah. all been just one sided so far, so so thank you, Coach, and yeah. uh, have fun in Vegas. Maybe we'll run into you uh, on a table or something, or in the sports book.
2: Yeah, appreciate the platform, fellas, and uh, yeah, see you down the road.
0: Coach Bill Belichick, uh, six time Super Bowl champion, <laughs> joining <laughs> the boys of Atlanta Zone. What an interview, Adam! That might have been one of the, the best interviews we've ever done. Could tell I don't know if it was the best, but it was, uh, it was entertaining, I think. I think like, you could tell that guy's done a thousand interviews. He's done st- he, he didn't have a lot of patience for us, which is fair. We were yeah. like, what? We're neophytes.
1: I thought we were going to have like a little post-interview recap off-air, but Bill just hung up on us. He so. just hung
0: up on us. I, res- um, I respect it. <laughs> I, I respect it, too. I mean, you know, the guy can do what he wants. I mean, when, when you win six Super Bowls, he could, I don't know. You can hang up on a couple of uh, guys who've been doing a podcast for seven years. And we're only here because we
1: really strong-armed the, <laughs> the Pigskin, Pigskin Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there you go. All right, so we got one more
0: phone call for you guys, uh, one more phone interview. And this is with a highly controversial person, I would say, in the city of Atlanta. Starting quarterback for your Atlanta Falcons, Desmond Ritter joins the show via phone. Uh, Desmond, where are you right now?
3: Uh, 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 I'm currently on the road right now. I'm uh, still I'm still not sure if I even have a job. Uh, so I'm just taking a look at other options.
0: Well, how concerned are you uh, right now, Desmond, considering that, you know, they said the, the quarterback search is wide open. They might go uh, free agency draft. Trade uh, that doesn't seem to include you, and then Terry specifically called you out in the in the in the the, uh, press conference and said, "You know, we appreciate what they did, but uh, you know, in so many words, we're we're trying to move on." How does that make you feel, as a competitor?
3: Uh you know, like Arthur Smith used to tell me, life's a competition. Like I had to compete with Heineke, I had to compete with, with everybody before Mariota. I, I'm okay with competing. And if they, if they want to throw me under the bus, sure, I'm going to compete under the bus.
0: Well, the thing is, is that you were, you were, <laughs> you were given the job. It was your job last year. So was it really a competition?
3: I mean, was it really my job, or was it Arthur Smith's to lose? I, what am I going to do underneath him? Am I going to throw to Matt Collins? whole time. I got Kyle Pitts right here.
1: You didn't
0: throw to either one of them the whole season it felt like to me from what I watched. I mean, I know you threw it to Kyle every once in a while. That one pass in the Commanders game was brilliant. Um, but Matt Collins underutilized it, it felt like to me.
3: Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, when, when you got the eyesight like me, I mean, I, I got to go in for LASIK uh, in a few weeks. So, when I get that done, I'll be throwing well over 70%. Oh,
1: Jameis Winston just got that done as well. So that I, I look forward to that. Let me, let me ask you, Desmond, uh, Adam Kalal here. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you joining us, by the way. Um, has Coach Ra reached out to you yet? <laughs> who? <laughs> Raheem Morris.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have a new coach.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you didn't realize your boy Arthur's
3: gone. I got I, I to call Terry.
1: But well, Terry's still here. Well, Terry okay. was saying he okay. appreciates good, good, good. Uh, your service but it's time to move on. But for real though, Desmond, like do you see a world where like obviously you did have the opportunity to start last year and you know, ups and downs. Like I th- I think a lot of us would agree that we saw some potential, but obviously the turnovers, I think you would be the first to admit were a concern. But at this point, you know the team. Like, would you be willing to come back in like a second-string quarterback scenario, or are you looking for a fresh start?
3: I'm I'm here to compete. I still got my rookie deal. I'm still making money. Uh, I, I mean, let's let's face the facts here. Like, my right, my interceptions, yeah, they got the better of me last year, and I still got to compete to make sure to reduce those numbers. But uh, it may not happen. <laughs> so I, I, The one good thing I have The one good thing Now listen Adam I, I appreciate you calling me I appreciate you having me on But uh, I have I have trouble When I'm out on the field But when I'm off the field My leadership qualities Are top notch And I think that's The, the best place for me to be
0: I also heard that your memory is great You can remember like What happened On third down Against uh, Some other conference USA team When you were at Cincinnati in the middle like week eight of the season
3: yeah that's exactly right grady i have i have the grady. best memory
0: yeah that's this is good quality terry Fontenot i spoke highly of you during the uh, the the process before you were drafted he was like his memory is so amazing like we i'm really really interested in this guy uh, you know so
3: yeah uh, it's it's sharp like attack yeah so attack that's been used way too much but yes like attack <laughs>
0: Did, did Arthur Smith put you in any uncomfortable positions? There were like eight times this year you uh, had at least thirty-five passing attempts in a game. Yeah, was right. I mean, that uncomfortable put, for you?
3: Yeah, I was uncomfortable. Uh, like in the huddle, uh, like in shotgun. Uh, yeah, give me eye formation. I have no idea where I am.
0: Oh wow. Okay. So <laughs> when so when you're like when you're when you're when you're dropping back to pass, if you're that uncomfortable in all those different formations, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now that you
1: would just lock on to, like, one receiver.
3: Yeah, five-step, three-step, what's that?
1: <laughs> would you say it would have been beneficial to you, Desmond, if you played more than one series in the preseason?
3: Practice makes perfect, and uh, I'm not, so.
1: I mean, you competed in practice, though, right?
3: I, I did compete. I did compete. You, you can't fault me for that
0: how did it feel to be on the uh the quarterback sort of musical chairs throughout the season Whereas, like you know you were, you were you were the starter and then heineke comes in uh the, the game against tennessee and Heineke gets hurt you come back in in arizona then you take over and then Heineke comes back and it just felt like uh it, it felt like arthur smith was trying to just Throw you guys into like a cockfighting ring to me. Like, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, I'm sorry you were treated that way.
3: How yeah, did it feel well, to you? Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, listen, uh, when competition happens, competition happens. Arthur Smith, he likes competition. That was the number one word he said to me competition, competition, competition. So if I'm getting, if I'm getting going to second string, going to first string, going to third string, going to wherever I need to go, I'm there. I'm there for this team. I, I'm here for the Falcons.
1: This
0: guy's gonna compete. I'm here for the
3: Falcons. Yeah.
1: So,
0: (laughs) what what is your ideal? I mean, so I think the the, he just wants to compete. Well, he wants to compete, but here's my question: the competition that you're going to face, it it feels like the Falcons want to get someone else in here to be the starter. How does that affect your competitive feeling heading into (gasps) uh, training camp?
3: I've been in this situation before. I've had Mariota in front of me, top level competition. Heineke, top level competition. We're talking about the likes of a Brady or a Manning. Heineke's right there. Mariota's right there. So I'm, I feel like I'm right there with them.
1: You're competing, Bo. Yeah, you're
3: competing. competing. I know you model I'm a competing. lot of your
1: game after Mariota, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's why. That's why Smith
1: brought him in. Yeah, no, I, it really, really should. I can respect year. that. I mean, from the best. That's what Graham and I are out here doing on Radio Row here in Las Vegas. We're competing with Boomer Asiacin, you know, Rich Eisen, the best of Part the of best in the business. Oh, yeah. Me and Graham, we're just competing, Desmond. That's all you can do, yeah. right?
3: Yeah, you're right there. You're right there. Just like me. Just like me with Tom Brady. You're right there with them.
0: Yeah, we, we, we're the Desmond Ritter podcast. <laughs> And that's a compliment. So that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Desmond, we want to thank you for your time tonight, and uh hope you're doing well out there. We look forward to the competition that happens at the quarterback position in training uh, well, camp. Uh,
3: yeah, uh, thanks for the time, Gabe and uh, and Abe. Uh, thanks for the time. I, I appreciate it. Remember, memory sharp is attack. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you when you you're guys gonna get paid. You're going to remember this interview, and you're going to yeah. look back four years
0: from now, you can say at, uh, at uh, 820, 25. P.M. Uh,
1: Eastern Time. I, I talked to these guys.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: You're the man, Desmond. We really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Being the man.
0: And that is Desmond Ritter, former Falcons starting quarterback, talking
1: to the boys at Atlanta Sun. Get
3: me Terry. Get me Terry. I, I need to call. I need to talk to him.
1: We'll, we'll we'll try to track well, down Terry. <laughs> he might be here in Vegas. We'll, we'll 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 call you if we find him, Des. <laughs>
3: oh i'm still on the phone oh, okay oh sorry you weren't supposed to hear that
0: all right that's it that's our radio row show here at the super bowl we haven't talked about the super bowl at all which i think is great adam it has nothing to do with atlanta professional sports
1: yeah, there's not even like any ex Falcons on either of the teams. I don't think, with the
0: exception of Kyle Shanahan as the coach. Oh yeah. I wish nothing well, but misery no, for him. Well, let's
1: let's get into this. Yeah, okay, okay, so I don't want Mahomes to win. Sure. Because the Chiefs have won two, too many times at this point. Just
0: two times, but yeah. but
1: they're still too good. Yeah. So like I would, I think in general I'd be okay with the 49ers winning it, but then Shanahan wins. But Shanahan wins. Uh, that that rules it out for me. I'm
0: I'm pulling for the Chiefs. As much as no one wants to pull for the Chiefs, I'm pulling for the Chiefs. And not let's say like I, I'm like overtly like, oh my God, I'm gonna be like living on pins and needles during the during the game. If it doesn't go well for them, I'm gonna be upset. No, not at all. But if I had to pick, I'll take Mahomes over Shanahan. Shanahan is right, I'll, dead I'll, man walking to I'll me. I'll
1: probably go that way as well. It, it would be sweet to see something similar happen with like just him. Choosing to throw the ball instead of run it And it already
0: happened in the 2020 Super Bowl I mean remember when these two teams Played then he 10 point lead He starts runs the ball at Tevin Coleman Gets five yards throws it three times Incomplete and then the Chiefs come back So I I could easily see something Like that happening again He's got much I think he's got a better team but We'll we'll see how it all shakes out Um, But that's it for today's Show until next time Rise up For the A Unite and conquer and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital.
1: Hospital.